Hello and welcome to this fine edition of the ATNWB podcast. I am your host, Christopher Taylor, and I'm joined with Alex Wilson. And welcome to the episode. In this episode, we're going to go over a bunch. We're going to talk about regular HBO, not the max kind. And we will also be discussing uh, Warner Brothers Pictures and Warner Television, which there is a lot to talk about. So let's go up to the top for HBO. Joss Whedon's new show is taking light at HBO. It's called The Nevers, and it just filled out its cast. Nick Frost and Dennis O'Hare are among said cast. Those are really the only two that I recognize out of all the people that are coming to this new show. More important are the co-writers, who are all Buffy alum. Jana Spenson and Doug Petrie will also write and executive produce The Nevers for HBO, along with, obviously, Joss Whedon. And the show is about, like, a Scooby gang of women in the Victorian era. So they find out they have special powers and find out that there's bad guys and that they have to save the world. Sounds very Joss Whedon, a group of people coming together to fight evil. <laughs> yeah, it definitely has a great writing staff attached, so it'll be cool to see them reunited again and writing TV together. Yeah, it'll be really great. And I think there's been enough time that Joss was, like, separated from, like, reality and from Hollywood so that he can come back and do this for HBO. Yeah, and, I agree. And, I mean, they have, like, everything about this show. They have the character bios for each character on the Deadline article, which I think is really crazy. Uh, yeah, it, it's such a wild premise that maybe they thought, well, it doesn't matter how much contextual we give um you'll still be surprised by the first episode or at least that's my hope for it yeah for instance the the first thing olivia williams um will play lavina bidlow a wealthy spinster and champion of the touched lavina funds the orphanage where amalia and many of the touched live through her vast family fortune she is stern and old-fashioned but as strong-willed and clever as anyone she confronts so it's like uh you know there's a little bio for everybody i mean nick frost says he'll play declan arun aka the beggar king charismatic and brutal declan runs or has a piece of most of the low-level criminal activity in the city He's perfectly happy to help Amalia and her cause and equally happy to sell them out. He backs winners and the touched are long odds. Interesting. Yeah. And then it shows all their credits too, but again, I only recognize those two people. I'm a huge Buffy Angel fan. I I especially love Angel. I love both those shows though very much. I think one of my favorite character arcs of all time is Wesley Wyndham Price's from Buffy into Angel, where he goes from this young, innocent watcher who's seen two vampires under closed circumstances, you know, where they're like... And then throughout the entire Buffy and Angel series, at one point he gets his throat slit, he steals a baby, like the love of his life dies, like so many crazy things happen to Wesley. Spoilers for Buffy and Angel, I guess. Uh, but I just think that character arc was really wonderful. So, of course, I'm going to see uh, Joss Whedon's new show. Should be 
uh, good. Should be fascinating, especially for HBO. You know, sci-fi drama yeah. series. It's gonna be good. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I think it'll be great to see him get to tackle like another long-form series after you know seeing him in features for so long. Yeah, it'll be nice to see him really get to sink his teeth into some characters and really take him to those places. You shouldn't be able to make people believe that what they're seeing is logical or what they're seeing is character based but that's just the magic of his writing uh when it's on point is figuring out how to really justify some of those crazier circumstances yeah it's the justify it's the justify the conceit exactly it's like it's like oh i want buffy to have a sister even though we're five seasons into the show and i never wrote that into the show so boom she has a sister so throughout the entire fifth season we're going to justify this conceit of her having a sister so her sister is this magical key that is the that can open up like the, the universe you know like target the portal to other universes or crazy stuff like that yeah and it's really really neat how he does some of that stuff for sure adam mckay is eping a show for hbo ironically called showtime and not a show on showtime showtime is going to be a show on hbo about the lakers in the 80s Jason Clark is starring. He'll be playing NBA legend Jerry West. And again, on the last episode, the HBO Max, we discussed how the NBA and Warner Brothers are almost one and the same. Like, they're exclusive contracts together. So it makes sense that this NBA drama TV series would be on the Warner HBO. Yeah, and on a side note, uh, I saw a casting notice where that show is having trouble finding somebody to play Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, understandably. Because they have to find this, you know, somebody who's six eight or above and is of like late twenties to early forties, and, and, and good but actor. can also act. And, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That must be really hard. I love Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but he specifically wasn't that good of an actor. Even though, mm-hmm. like, I love him. Yeah, he's a much better writer on Veronica Mars, I assume. Yeah, he, yeah. Who knows? I didn't. <laughs> I didn't watch that new season of Veronica Mars, but I, you know, I, I never watched the original Veronica Mars. That's one blind spot I need to uh, rectify. Yeah, well, one of the fascinating things about that show was her relationship with. You think it's going to be with this one guy? It turns out to be with like the other guy instead. That like they did a really good job with that relationship. You really wanted them together. You really shipped that the, them the hardcore before that That's term cool. existed. Yeah. Was the movie good? I didn't see the movie either. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I just got lazy with with my Veronica Mars viewing. There's so much. (laughs) It's like, do I need to go back to it? Maybe. Maybe. Showtime on HBO. That sounds very silly to me. I love it, though. I hope that Showtime develops a show called HBO, you know? That doesn't mean home box office. It means something else. Yeah, I wonder if Showtime is going to bother with any kind of legal challenges because it is a show on a rival network that doesn't, you know, it it caters to the same kind of audience that it's trying to get and it's using a brand that's very similar. But maybe they can justify it because Showtime was first used by the Lakers before it was used by the network Showtime, maybe. Oh, maybe. Is that a huge thing with the Lakers, the, the word Showtime? Yeah, I think that was like era of Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was called like the Showtime era. Uh, And so depending on when that started and when Showtime, the network started, maybe they can make the case like, oh, well, this is before all that. Well, I think you said a better title than just Showtime, which is the Showtime era or Showtime era. I think that would be uh, 
better personally maybe they will do that at some point who knows yeah there was that whole remember there was like that three episode series uh it wasn't called la noir it was gonna be called la noir but then because it was based off of a book series i think it was for tnt Oh yeah, Frank Darabont was the showrunner of that. Yeah, uh, it was. I, I forgot where they landed, but I knew it was gonna be called L.A. Noir. I think it. I think it became like Gangsterland or something, right? Because of the video game. Yeah, that they yeah. could not name it that, and I so think you're right. a Mob City. It became yeah, Mob right. City. <laughs> that's a shame. L.A. Noir would have been much better. <laughs> yeah, which is really sad, but it is based off of a book and the book is named la noir the struggle for the soul of america's most seductive city that's the name of the book but they couldn't uh, name it that but mob city is an awful name for yeah, a show yeah god that was just that's, uh, that's about up there with copland i mean I really like can't yeah, come up with anything better yeah yeah that's all that they almost seem yeah that's like almost opposites cop and mob mob city and yeah copland so i will talking about hbo earlier uh have you been watching john oliver i think i've missed the last two or three well he just made fun of at&t since they now own hbo through their buying of warner brothers he was talking about overcrowding on everest and when talking about the first highest made phone call on the planet this is perfect for this podcast he said and i'm going to quote him wow nice work the highest ever cell phone call that's incredible well, it would have been, but unfortunately, the climber had AT&T, so the call never went through. I got you. I got you, business daddy. I got you so good. He loves making fun of them. And Conan does, too. They both love to make fun of AT&T now. Now I just want a show called Business Daddy on HBO. <laughs> yeah, a spinoff to Last Week Tonight. And he said, mm -hmm. you know what? If I could actually get serious for a moment, there is something I've been meaning to say. I know I give you a hard time, business daddy, but the truth is, you're the only business daddy I have, and I know you just want what's best for me. I'm sure it's not easy having me as a business boy, and I probably don't say this as often as I should, but I love you, business daddy, and I hope that we never lose that special connection we have. I guess what I'm trying to say is, I'm glad our connection isn't on your wireless network because it's absolutely <laughs> terrible. I did it again. I got you, business daddy. I got you. <laughs> business baby is out of control. Wah, wah, wah. I love that he does this. Yeah, that's a pretty perfect uh, meta commentary on the whole situation yeah and again perfect for this podcast direct tv now is being rebranded as at&t now and soon it'll be called at&t tv from what i've been hearing so direct tv is a loser brand losing cord cutting subscribers every month so they're trying to like get away from shed that direct tv name that they bought a bunch of years ago now yeah and now uh i mean they really suffer with these as soon as these one year and two year promotional per periods end, uh they really lose a lot of subscribers uh to cord cutting so it'll be interesting to see if they try to start managing their prices a little bit better or their promotions to kind of keep people in the fold or if they're just maybe they're just doing it on purpose and inevitably trying to switch a lot of those subscribers over to hbo max and at&t tv yeah absolutely yeah i mean like this old subscription-based model of cable is is dead now like like everyone wants to cut their cords everyone wants to pay little chunks for everything like we always did we always wanted a la carte television we can finally get it now 
Yeah. You know, but that unfortunately that means there's going to be five TV networks in the next 10 years. Yeah. A lot of these brands are consolidating for sure. Moving on to Warner Brothers Pictures and Warner TV. Bo Burnham will write the music for some of the music for the Sesame Street movie coming out January 15th, 2021. And I love Bo Burnham. You know, he came up out of he was probably arguably the first YouTube sensation. Yeah. And then he's went on to do some incredible things and win an Oscar. Get not He got nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, for best writing. Yeah, for eighth grade. And I think he won the WGA Writing Award for that uh, script. So That's really, yeah, he's, yeah. A, he's a really impressive person. Mm-hmm. Uh, the film, the new Sesame Street movie, the third Sesame Street movie, is about Big Bird getting mysteriously expelled from Sesame Street into Manhattan. And with the help of a history show host, they uncover a plot by the mayor to keep Sesame Street hidden from the rest of the world. Oh. I think it sounds really cool. It's almost like Follow That Bird. But not across the country. He's just stuck in proper Manhattan. And it's a little like Diagon Alley. He's got to find his way back into Sesame Street. Yeah, and it, it sounds like uh, the villain might be a little bit stronger in this movie, too. I, I think in... Uh, follow that bird. bird or... Yeah, follow that bird. Follow, follow that bird. You, you, have, yeah, you I... have some follow that bird hot takes right now? Let's hear it. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, I, I saw follow that bird uh, for the first time about a month or two ago. And it's like a fun family movie, but the villains are basically just, you know, these two guys who are trying to sell Big Bird into a circus. And, uh, I mean, it's a simple idea, but I think that now, you know, with this film, if they can focus on really kind of building a world where it feels like, oh, not only are the characters real, but the uh, antagonists and the people in the world feel like real characters... Uh, you could get like a really fully fleshed out narrative because that's what the Muppet movies do so well in my opinion is they have these villains and antagonists who even though they're a little arch and even though they're a little over the top sometimes they still feel like real individuals with that bring really high stakes to the films yeah and it really feels like like a lived in world like the Muppet yeah. movies I feel like which like they feel a little more grounded which I don't think Follow That Bird felt and I've never seen Elmo in Grouchland I'm not a, you know I grew up with Big Bird I didn't like Elmo was there but he wasn't important like he oh, yeah. became throughout the 90s like because I'm an 80s baby so he just like Elmo just wasn't important to me as a kid like Big Bird and Snuffleupagus was yeah and uh yeah even Oscar the Grouch and Bert and Ernie like Bert and Ernie were a lot bigger than Elmo to me uh so it's oh, interesting yeah. that they've kind of fallen by the wayside yeah Bert and Ernie definitely and Snuffleupagus I heard that when I was a kid he was invisible and he was Big Bird's imaginary friend but the writers of Sesame Street started fearing that kids would say things things to their parents and their parents wouldn't believe them because like think like they're thinking the things are imaginary so they made uh. Snuffleupagus like a real character after a while because it's important to have a f- imaginary friends is it i don't know i don't know if that's maybe that is a weird thing well i think it's i think it's important to teach kids to be self-sufficient and to be able to kind of create worlds to play in you know if they if they're you know stuck at home or if they're stuck outside and they don't have their friends over to play with so i think that's an important tool to be able to you know create your own entertainment when you need to yeah yeah moving on warner brothers has won the bidding war for jj abrams and bad robot they're saying the deal is in the 500 million dollar range other deals uh, greg berlanti and his wbtv deal is 400 million uh, Ryan Murphy's Netflix deal is three hundred million, 
and Shonda Rhimes only got a hundred million from Netflix. Wow, isn't that fascinating? Yeah, only a hundred million. That's yeah. it. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean she she's had five out of all of her pilots that she's had on the TV and pilots that didn't even go on the TV. She's had five successful shows. Um, yeah, she's had. Uh, Grey's Anatomy, those the two spin-offs of Grey's Anatomy, and then Scandal and How to Get Away with Murder. So yeah. she's had a lot, but Ryan Murphy's had eighteen shows on like at any given moment on the air. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're they're a little bit more niche shows than Shonda Rhimes, but in terms of quantity, he's uh, really had a huge string of successful, uh, you know, hits for those networks that he's produced them for. Absolutely. Back to J.J. Abrams, yeah, so $500 million baby now that Warner has, and it uh, should be interesting if he starts, because he's already pulling all of this stuff from Paramount, all of his film production from Paramount over to Warner Brothers. They obviously, they just need, this is an arms race, you know, this HBO Max versus Netflix versus Disney Plus versus Apple Plus. This is just an arms race of how many huge auteur producers can we get in our wing to curate hundreds and hundreds of hours of content. So getting J.J. Abrams on their side, I think, is a huge win for Warner Brothers. Yeah, and his projects really are, I mean, not unique in this way, but they really know how to create buzz in the marketplace when there are so many other shows and so many other movies that are being released and now that we're headed towards a world where there might be five or six big players and each of those players has hundreds and hundreds of hours of content, you're going to need those people who can really stand out. Uh, and he's obviously one of those creators. Yeah. And that's why Apple Plus has, they're like, we have Oprah and Steven Spielberg. And it's like, yeah, everyone has Steven Spielberg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, Falling Skies is, is on TNT is a Steven Spielberg show. And had, did anyone watch that show? I'm sure, no. I'm sure like, three people have. No, Wiley's mom did, probably. <laughs> for, for sure, yeah. And the Librarian trilogy yeah. on repeat. <laughs> John Wells also inked a five-year deal with Warner TV. He's the producer behind Shameless and Animal Kingdom. And it's a nine-figure deal, and he has 13 active projects in development. Wow. Yeah. We talked about this in the previous episode, but in, in addition to voicing Harley Quinn in the future adult animated series for the DC Universe, Kelly Cuoco has signed a production deal with Warner TV, her home for the last 13 years with Bang, Big Bang, and she'll star in the Greg Berlanti HBO Max show, The Flight Attendant. And as we're just saying, The Flight Attendant bumps Berlanti up to 18 shows once more in active development. After CBS canceled the red line, which dropped his amount down to 17, but now he's back up to 18. So he was at 18. He was down to 17 for like a week, and now he's back up to 18. Shows in development, active development amazing. or on air. Yeah. And we've talked about this a little more, but the Hello Kitty movie is going full force. Lindsay Beer is writing the Hello Kitty movie. She wrote Sierra Burgess, or Sierra Burgess is a Loser, which was a Netflix movie with Barb from Stranger Things as the lead loser. Interesting. Yeah. And Hello Kitty, you know, is a huge international brand, so again, it just oh, yeah. makes sense that it's an animated film for Warner Brothers at some point. Hopefully they don't do it live action like the Cats trailer. Did you see the Cats trailer? No. Oh, yeah, I did see the Cats trailer. It Good was... Lord. 
it was like a fever dream I had. Yeah. Like, like that's the first thing I said after I watched it. I was just, wow. I don't, I don't even know. I, I'm not gonna say it was bad. I'm not gonna say it was amazing. It's definitely exactly what it needs to be. I think maybe. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, I, I saw Cats when I was a kid. Me too. In, in like a local production. I saw the New York was, it, Broadway production. <laughs> It was one of the first things that scared the hell out of me. Um, it and is. So, and this kind of did the same thing. So I'm like, well, it's kind of staying true to like what I remember from it. So exactly. I don't know if that's going to end up being a good thing. But it's it's definitely shocking and it's a ten- tension grabbing and it looks expensive. So we'll see now, if all we, that. We love the actual organisms, out. cats. Like I love yes, kitty cats. Correct. I think they're the best. I have two. You have two. Yes. And uh, they're the greatest things ever. Now for the... And I like musicals, but I don't like Cats the Musical. I think it has one good song. But yeah, so hopefully... hopefully oh, they don't, Memories, yeah. yeah. I mean, Memories is great, but yeah. other Ho- than that... Hopefully they don't do that with the Hello Kitty movie. Although, I think it would be really great to see like Taylor Swift as Hello Kitty, but with the the CG like cat body or something. I don't know. Oh, God. It's basically like reverse Nipplegate, like when they had Batman nipples. Um, with yeah. The, is it Joel Schumacher's Batman? Oh, um, yeah. Batman and, and Robin. And and now it's kind of the reverse. It's like, to me, it's just, it's odd that it's, it's just, it's just, it looks so just looks so photoshopped it looks so fake and odd and uh i don't know i mean it's hyper realistic but it it just it it looks so artificial yeah there's like an uncanny valley to it it just is strange yeah moving on j.a bayona who directed jurassic park 5 and the orphanage will direct the first two episodes of the lord of the rings tv show for amazon New Line, a.k.a. Warner Brothers, is producing since they made the movies, so they're going to be helping out a little bit. Uh, the showrunners and EPs are J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay, and uh, there's a ton of producers, and uh, some of the writers are Jennifer Hutchinson, Jason Cahill, and Justine Doble, and they're from Breaking Bad, Sopranos, and Stranger Things, respectively. So they're doing it now. They're full force into it. Also, a Tolkien scholar, Tom Ship, is helping out on the show as well. So you're a huge ringer. You're a huge Lord of the Rings fan. How do you think about? What do you think about the show? Yeah, I'm excited for it. I mean, I also heard that Brian Cogman, who is a big writer on Game of Thrones for most of the series, he is a consultant on this show. So they have plenty of big names really guiding uh, the story and kind of guiding the narrative they're putting so much money into it it's gonna have a really high bar to meet i'm kind of conflicted because i I would love to see all that money put into a project that centers around the silmarillion uh but it sounds like they're kind of creating this new narrative that takes place right before the events of lord of the ring and the hobbit so it will be interesting to see if them creating this whole new narrative within this world that we know fairly well, if, if that works out, or if they should have just stuck to using more source material. Yeah, um, making but, your own source material yeah. is kind of weird. But yeah, they have yeah. this scholar, this Tolkien scholar working with them, so he's kind of like the Lucasfilm story group of like, okay, that does fit into the universe. Okay, no, wait, that doesn't. We can't do that. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, I have... 
if it works out how a lot of uh, technical consultants usually work out on TV shows, a lot of times, you know, they kind of air their grievances or they air their opinions on things, and then it, it comes down to what whatever the showrunner wants to do, rightfully so. But hopefully in this scenario where it's so important to kind of stick to the uh, to the world that's already created and so important to kind of pay respects to this huge sweeping cast of characters uh, that hopefully that they really take his opinion into account when they're crafting the story. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. The Akira live-action adaptation is taking a back seat to Thor Love and Thunder, which was announced at Comic-Con 2019, San Diego. Taiki Waititi will be directing this Marvel movie with Natalie Portman portraying Thor, a la the recent comics which Jason Aaron wrote, you know, the Jason Aaron run of Thor. Uh, mm. Supposedly casting and budget came into play and making the Akira film. I could see casting coming into play because it, it's an anime that takes place in future Tokyo, right? So yeah. I think that to do it justice, you'd want to get Asian-American actors to portray the main cast while I'm sure someone high up at Warner Brothers is thinking, no, let's get like Ansel Elgert to play the main character or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's tricky because a live-action Akira would be the most expensive movie ever made, hands down. I mean, more than any Marvel movie, maybe not more than like Avengers Endgame, but it would be very expensive. And to cast like two relatively unknown actors, or, or to cast two people that that Hollywood doesn't see as like the stars of the era. Uh, it just makes it kind of more of a, a dice roll for the studio, and I, I think they also announced that it would that they're developing it as a two-part franchise essentially. And and usually I'm afraid of movies that just end up being two films. It usually feels like things either fall into place as being, you know, one and done or a three-part trilogy. But if anything could really fit into two this this movie would separate itself well into two parts. Uh, yeah, similar to kind of how like it chapter one and chapter two is kind of split up which makes sense um, one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite franchise that like disasters that happened was the divergent series where it was three it was a trilogy it was three books and at the very beginning they're saying we're going to make this in the four movies so they did the first three movies and they didn't recoup enough money to make a fourth one so they just never made a fourth film so they made you know they they did two and a half of the story, but that last half is just missing. And they were like, we're going to make it a show. And then they never were able to get Shailene Woodley to commit to another film, which I think is just so funny. Just what yeah, a disaster. And, and I, th I definitely think it would be, Akira would be similar to uh, Infinity War and Endgame, where I think they'd want to film two movies back to back. And that's looking at like a $550 million, $600 million budget. And that's just such a big risk to take. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, Anne Sarnoff has been announced as the new head of Warner Brothers. She was a president of BBC Studios America and a chief operating officer of the WNBA. So there we go. We have almost an outsider uh, now in charge of Warner Brothers, which should help reinvigorate the studio. Hopefully she knows what she's doing. I mean, I don't I just don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Like you're saying, it's interesting kind of getting somebody who probably knows how to run a business really well, but can that translate to kind of a different type of entertainment that she's used to running? Um, but yeah, I mean, hopefully it should be a smooth transition and it should work out. Yeah. The CW Seed 
which is an app with the original con with original content and DC animated original content and old shows is going live on its own website. A 7.5 million downloads of this app have happened so far, and it's been around for about six years. Now, I've actually watched a couple of shows on the CW seed. I've watched all of Everwood. They threw that up there with commercials, so I just watched it all. And I watched the OC on the CW seed. It's, uh, yeah, I think it's a good app. I think it's weird that it's a separate app from the CW. Like, I think it would make more sense to have them both as the same app. But CWC, like, they're really into, like, making their own stuff, too. They have a show called I Ship It, which is, like, a glorified web show well web series mm -hmm. yeah that wasn't the cwc or like i mean that was gonna be a service before like the dc app before even maybe cbs to access yeah it's been around and, for a while yeah yeah and and, and so it, it's it, it's interesting that I, I don't know if it's evolved that much so it'll be interesting to see how it kind of like finds its place as more and more of these services start popping up yeah we'll, we'll see we'll see what happens to the cwc but i i really like the I keep the app. I really like the app. Uh, it has, you know, they, it's very teen driven. A lot of the stuff they throw up on there, like I said, the OC and Everwood, you know, Everwood's an old Warner Brothers network show. And the OC is obviously from the creator of Gossip Girl. And, and he also created the Marvel Hulu show Runaways. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, like, the OC, you know, is very teen oriented, but, uh, you know, I love that stuff. And it feels very CW to me and the OC, even though it was on Fox when it was on the air. So it's very appropriate that I watched it on the CW, which is basically the Warner Brothers Network, the CW seed, which is like the Warner Brothers Network seed, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how that worked. Yeah, me neither. We're going to have a whole episode discussing how the WB Network and UPN became the CW, because to me, it's all the same all the same thing yeah it feels like just kind of merging different executives and kind of trimming the fat but yeah in terms of branding it didn't feel like it was that big of a leap or, or that big of a change yeah going from the wb network to the cw network yeah, yeah. it only changed one letter really if you think yeah. about it uh, Warner Brothers or Warner Media wants to reboot and reintroduce a number of TGIF Thank God It's Friday shows they own, such as Step by Step, Family Matters, and my personal favorite, the show that Family Matters was spun off from, Perfect Strangers, and also Hanging with Mr. Cooper. As of right now, all seasons of Full House, Perfect Strangers, Family Matters, Step by Step, and Hanging with Mr. Cooper. 800 episodes in total That's of, of these TGIF shows are still exclusive to Hulu. And John Stamos also recently said he was interested in, interested in what happens before Full House, meaning they will probably make a prequel to Full House at Netflix, although Full House is also made by Warner. So we'll see what happens. Since Fuller maybe, House was so successful. Maybe they'll pump a bunch of money into it and make it like The Irishman, and they'll have John Stamos in it, but just like uh, digitally aged uh, down. down. That would be It'll amazing. Be a lot grittier. Yeah. I, that, I could totally see that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, the, the original show was Full House, and then the sequel was Fuller House. So I think the pre, like, you know, they added letters. So I think the prequel the irishman prequel they should take away 
letter, so it would just be called F House. Yeah, F House. <laughs> that, that actually probably is on point for what Uncle Joe is probably doing before he moved into the full house. Welcome to the F House. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pre Aunt Becky years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I'm yeah. sure. Oh, you would definitely have the Beach Boys involved as well, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. like you would. He would go on tour with the Beach Boys, and I think he's like a cousin to one of them or something. Oh yeah. That's what the mythology is—the Full House mythology, the TGIF. It's part of TGIF mythology. My favorite. Oh, maybe it'd be maybe it'd be Beach House. Oh. Maybe that's it. Yeah, B House. Wait. Yeah, B House. <laughs> Bitch House. Bitch House. <laughs> Uh, he's the bitch, the John Stamos. Because yeah. he's yeah. Well, uh, Uncle Jesse is is the bitch because he yeah. he f's everything that moves <laughs> in this prequel. Uh, one of my favorite TGIF moments was when Sabrina was on TGIF. Do you remember uh, yeah. the original Sabrina? So I do. There was three other shows on around the, the same time as Sabrina. And what happened was Salem, the cat, he went from show to show on TGIF. So they had a Salem crossover. That's cool. Yeah. I, I seem to remember Sabrina herself crossed over into one of those other shows, but that makes sense to have the cat. It feels like that's kind of like lower stakes to be able to cross him over and then not mess up the continuity of anything. Now, the Salem crossover was time travel themed, and it started with Sabrina, and then it was Boy Meets World, and then it was You Wish, which was a Genie TGIF show, and then Teen Angel, which was, you know, an angel themed TGIF show. So you had these three very genre heavy multicam sitcoms and also boy meets world that salem crosses over into which is kind of mm, funny i see yeah so i don't know if uh all of that tgif content that i just said like odd like i don't think they'll ever reboot you wish or teen angel but i wonder if warner owns those shows as well i'll never look it up and i'm the only person who would so we'll never <laughs> know and ever <laughs> Maybe all those shows will end up being rebooted on the CW seed. Yeah, you never know. It would make sense. I remember watching Teen Angel. I remember Ron Glass being in it. And Ron Glass was on Firefly. He was Shepard Book on Firefly. No, don't remember. It's okay. Mm. I, I, I don't remember. I didn't. Honestly, I, I watched Firefly once, but I, I definitely don't remember him from any show before that. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to tell you every show that's been a TG that's in the TGIF universe right now. You ready? And just yes. stop if you want to talk about it for a moment. Okay, the first is Perfect Strangers, which is amazing. So technically, it's the Perfect Strangers universe if we really want to get down and dirty about this. So it's Perfect mm -hmm. Strangers, Just the 10 of Us, Full House, Family Matters, New Attitude, which new attitude lasted from 1990 until 1990. And then Going Places, Baby Talk, Dinosaurs, which is one of the greatest shows of all time. Hi Honey, I'm Home, which lasted from 1991 to 1991. Step by Step, Billy, which Billy lasted from 1992 to 1992. I'm just going to keep doing that. Uh, <laughs> Camp Wilder, Where I Live, 
Getting By, Home Free, Hanging with Mr. Cooper, Boy Meets World, Sister Sister, one of the best shows ever, which says it only lasted from 94 to 95. That doesn't sound right to me. I feel like Sister Sister was on for like 50 years, right? Yeah, I, th- I feel like that too. I-, I thought there were at least three or four seasons of that. That's so weird. Maybe uh, they just had a ton of episodes in just two years. Maybe it was like uh, 30 episode seasons and it feels like a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it's the number of number of seasons six, number of episodes one hundred and nineteen. So maybe uh, I, I it must it must have changed networks or something, right? Yeah, that would make sense. Maybe, yeah, to that's, NBC. Or that's something. right. It moved to the WB network. Sister Sister oh, was right. one of the first shows on the WB network. I remember that now. Yeah, that is crazy, and I didn't know that. In June 2018, a revival of Sister Sister was confirmed and is currently in the works, which makes me very excited. Love Tia and Tamara Mari. Yeah. On our own, again, going back to the TJF list, Muppets Tonight, wow. Uh, Aliens in the Family, Clueless, the series, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Teen Angel, You Wish, Two of a Kind, Brothers Keepers, The Hughleys, and Odd Man Out. And that's from that's all the eighties and the nineties. Then we get into the two thousands, which gets into George Lopez, Life with Bonnie, Hope and Faith, Married to the Kellys, The Big House, and The Big House was on the air from two thousand four until two thousand four. Uh, <laughs> eight Simple Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter, aka Eight Simple Rules, Complete Savages, Less Than Perfect, and then the two thousand tens which I guess they consider these shows TGIF. I didn't know that, but Child Support, Fresh Off the Boat, and Speechless. Yeah, they started doing a thing in the 2010s where Paul Lee, who became the head of ABC, who moved over from ABC uh, Family after he made that pretty big, one of his main goals was to bring back TGIF. Oh, good. And, and so what he started to do was he would take reasonably successful shows from other nights that kind of fit a family brand like fresh off the boat and he moved them to friday nights uh and it was kind of a double-edged sword because it it built up that night but then shows like fresh off the boat i think they've dropped in viewership a little bit because it's a you know you're just gonna get fewer eyeballs than you know you would on like a prime time after modern family yeah less people just watch friday television too because friday night people are out and about so friday ratings are always less than monday through thursday or sunday through thursday ratings saturday no one watches tv on saturday nights that's not even a, a time slot for shows but at least the bar is lower on friday so i mean smallville stuck stuck around for three or four seasons at the end because they moved it to Friday, and it was just—it was one of those shows that just had a, a much lower bar for ratings uh, because they weren't expecting it, just these huge numbers. And I, th- I think it's a similar thing with Fresh Off the Boat, where their their ratings suffered, but it was still good enough to be renewed, and it crushed it for being a Friday night show. Yeah, interesting. That's so cool. Yeah, Fridays have always—I remember. Uh, I mean, you know, a couple of shows that I've watched have moved the Fridays, and you know, when a show moves the Fridays, you're like, oh no. Yeah. This show is this going to get canceled now. It's like the Friday death wish. So that's really it for this edition of the 18WB podcast. Uh, do you have any final thoughts about the Warner wanting to bring back TGIF, which is weird because it's an ABC brand. So they own some of the universe. I'm sure ABC Disney owns other parts of the universe. So the TGIF universe 
is very strained right now even though again like full fuller house is part of the tjf brand that's currently on netflix which is ending its fifth season or i think the fifth season is going to be its last which premieres later this year and then uh, for a little bit on the Disney Channel, we had Girl Meets World, you know, the spinoff oh, yeah. the successor to Boy Meets World, which I got to see like three episodes of before the show officially aired, which is really random. And I guess a story for right now. No, it's a story. It, it's not really a story. <laughs> That's the end of the story. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's you can see them wanting to make a big push for TGI Fridays, even though that's like an ABC brand, because all these streaming services are going to have to play catch up uh, in terms of getting uh, the family demographic once Disney Plus launches. So maybe they're just starting to push as hard as they can now. And I know one of Netflix's biggest expenditures lately are animated shows and family friendly kind of TV shows. So I think they're all just trying to catch up as much as they can before Disney really just drops a just a huge library of family-friendly programming oh absolutely yeah yeah and yeah they just need to they need to create little pockets of brands for every demographic so it's really smart they're going after that family demographic and with the brand they have well the perfect strangers universe which i hope is what the portal is called on the hbo max app like yeah you know you have you have like Warner Brothers Pictures, True TV, TBS, Cartoon Network, Adult Swim, Perfect Strangers Universe. You click that and you can watch Boy Meets World. That'd yep. be awesome. So that's it for this episode of the 18WB Podcast. I have been your host, Christopher Taylor. Please rate us on Apple Podcasts. Can you believe that this podcast started back when there was still an iTunes? And now yeah. it's not called iTunes anymore. It's Apple Podcasts. iTunes yeah, is it's... dead. You you, uh, you young kids out there won't get the reference to uh, iTunes, but, uh, you know, it used to be a thing, and it used to be pretty big, and now it's just all consolidated into one thing. There's no more – there's not even Apple – or is there an Apple TV app anymore? Isn't it all just kind of one thing now? No, it's actually – I feel like it's like the opposite of one thing. It went from being one thing of iTunes, and now it's like seven things. It's Apple oh, Podcasts. Oh, that's right. Yeah, now, now podcasts is separate, and you're right. Yeah. And right now there's an Apple TV app, but they're going to transition it to an Apple Plus TV app soon, uh, or Apple TV every, Plus or whatever. Everything's Plus and Max now, you know? it's Nothing uh, Nothing normal is going to be good enough anymore. We're maximizing our TV efforts. We're plusimizing yeah. our TV efforts. And I think uh, Netflix, like their, H, their 4K uh, tier is like netflix hd plus or something so even they have some kind of plus wow uh, tier. that's of course of course they do that does it for this episode i was saying rate us rate us on apple podcasts give us 15 stars did i say 50 or 15 give us 50 teen stars 50 teen stars that would be perfect and then more people can find us yeah we need uh we need more ears so that we can provide better content with in the more future ear, ear holes. Yeah, in the future year holes we can provide more content for your ear holes. That's all folks. Rawr! This has been a full dinosaur production.